Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Day four of Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. The Freak Show is back. We have made it through a full week here. Joe Fortenbaugh, Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson hanging out with you. You can tweet to him at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can tweet to me at Amber W Sports. Be a part of Joe and Amber Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line as well. Give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Do you feel like we can round out the week here, finish it in style? I'd like to believe so because I found out earlier today that you're not just a fantastic radio host. You also own an island that you live on, which I, I did not think was possible might... on a radio host salary. But here we go. <laughs> I think owning the island might be overstating things. I do live on an island. Uh, that oh, was a so, fact okay, sorry. that I didn't intend to reveal. But I was almost late for a pre-show meeting earlier today because I had to take a different bridge onto the island. There was traffic problems. Island life, Joe. There's complications to it, you know? How do you how do you travel from the island to the mainland? Do you take a boat? Do you step on the backs of commoners as they stand in the water to create a human bridge for you? How do you go about doing that? There's a bridge that I <laughs> that I drive bridge? over. It's not. It's an actual bridge that I drive oh. over and uh, you know, and I, I wave at everybody below me as as I do so. <laughs> uh so that's some good news. Uh, also good news out of the world of Buffalo. It seems like every day you and I go on air today, or every day you and I go on air this week, rather, there's good news when it comes to Damar Hamlin, which yep. has just been, frankly, unexpected, I think, for all of this to come so soon. I, I've been shocked because I was hearing doctors say with the Damar Hamlin situation, we might not have answers for weeks. And yet already, I, I mean, a miraculous recovery, it feels like here. Already his breathing tube was removed overnight per the physicians at UC Medical Center in a statement that was relieved by released by the Buffalo Bills today. They called his progress remarkable. He was able to FaceTime with his teammates today. He's up. He's talking. He's FaceTiming Joe. It, I mean, it could not be better news. Here is his head coach, Sean McDermott, at a press conference today. They didn't know that we were going to do that and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that that was actually going to be able to happen with DeMar's medical schedule there. And um, to be able to, when I said that we had a treat in store, um, it was just, uh, you could see the look on their eye in anticipation of what was probably coming. And, and then uh, to get the zoom. And when he came on the screen, um, and Tabani, our assistant trainer has done a phenomenal job out there um, helping facilitate that this morning as well. And, to, to see the players' reaction, um, they stood up right away and, and, and clapped for him and, you know, yelled some things to him. And it was a pretty, pretty cool exchange for a few seconds there. What a heartwarming thing to just hear that, that he's talking and that he's able to communicate back with his teammates just a few what days a- after the fact. What a ride this week. I mean, you watch what happened Monday night and you – have difficulty processing it you feel sad you feel 
all these negative emotions, but you also feel this wild uncertainty because you have no idea what's coming, but you do think worst case scenarios. That's what most people do. You try not to, but you do. Then you talk Tuesday. Eh, he's alive, but there weren't really any great updates. And then he was gripping hands and he was kind of conscious. Then they removed the breathing tube. Now he's doing FaceTimes with his teammates. This is fantastic. As long as this progresses, this sounds like an individual who's eventually going to be released from the hospital and in some way, shape, or form be able to go about his life again, which is all anyone could have possibly prayed for when we were watching that game Monday night. So it is just a wonderful turn of events in that story from where we were just four days ago, Amber, to where we are today here Friday. I know it's been a it's been a ride, but it has been a very short one. So just remarkable the progress there. We got that news earlier today. We also got news in regards to the NFL. Now, we know just after you and I got off air, actually, yesterday, the news broke that they are not going to attempt to resume that Bills Bengals game, that it is finished. It will not be played. It is canceled. It is the first time that has happened in a non strike year in the NFL since 1935. That's how unbelievably unusual it is that it's remarkable that you and I are even seeing it happen in our lifetime. So it's the first time that they have had to cancel a game like that in a non-strike year since 1935. There's, of course, ramifications when it comes to the cancellation with the AFC seating. So the NFL owners met today. They voted on how to take care of that. We now know that they've approved a plan that creates a possibility of an AFC title game being played on a neutral site. You and I had kind of floated that idea yesterday because Adam Schefter was sort of getting word that that's where they were going to go. And and there was a proposal that comes down from the NFL. The owners approved it today. Owners also agreed on a home field advantage for a wild card game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens being determined by a coin flip potentially. Now on that front, it was the Bengals that were the only team that really seemed to take issue with this new plan. I, I guess understandable to some extent here because the Bengals would be denied home field advantage thanks to a coin if that coin flip doesn't go the Bengals' way, even if they have the better winning percentage. Right. If the Bengals were to lose to the Ravens this weekend and then they would meet in the playoffs, the coin flip would determine who gets the game. And the Bengals didn't want to risk losing the revenue from a home game due to a coin flip. And and to be honest... They're getting a bad rap here because everyone just assumes you should all vote yes because this is such a trying time. It it is. The Bengals aren't trying to be jerks. They're not trying to be insensitive. They're just protecting their interest in that they didn't really like the idea that if they were to lose this weekend and then they face Baltimore again, a coin flip is going to determine that much money. Now, here in Las Vegas, we're all about a coin flip determining that much money. We live for it. That's pretty much how our infrastructure is set up and how everyone survives out here. But that's a story for another day. With the Bengals, the best news for them is that they're going to handle their business this weekend against Baltimore. Baltimore's a mess. They were a seven-point dog in this game. It got bet all the way up to 10 because it looks like Tyler Huntley might not even be able to play. They might have to go with Anthony Brown. They've got a bunch of injuries there. So I understand why Cincinnati voted the way they did. But as long as they handle their business on Sunday, they won't even have to worry about this once they get to the postseason. 
There are rules on the NFL books that if a game is canceled in this manner, that it goes to winning percentage. So that's another reason that the Bengals took issue because they said, hey, there's another way to handle this. We should get home field because of our winning percentage, even if we lose to Baltimore this weekend. Uh, Joe Mixon, the running back for Baltimore, called out the NFL on social media. We know that that it was a, a similar sentiment from the front office there in Cincinnati. It is not being well received because, yes, like you said, people just expect them to not be upset about it but at the end of the day one NFL team's upset and and a bit understandably so right they could end up I mean hopefully they'll just take care of business and this isn't even a conversation but they could end up on the wrong side of things but I do think it's probably a win if only one of 32 is upset about how this is being handled because there was no easy answers here how to handle this thing coming up next here on Joe and Amber are the Nets the best team in the NBA that's next. This is ESPN Radio. You can also check us out on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. No team hotter in the NBA than the Brooklyn Nets, but things are about to get very real for that team schedule-wise. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We are going to get into a conversation about the Brooklyn Nets. They've got a game tonight, a big game, against the surging New Orleans Pelicans. But before we get into that, Joe, let's help the people earn a little pizza money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Okay, so a little bit of action for you over the weekend. We've got two games on ESPN Saturday. Let's focus on the Chiefs and the Raiders here. We're going to take the Raiders plus the 9.5 over Kansas City. I know, I know. How can you bet the Raiders with the way they play? How can you fade the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, surprise. The Raiders have actually hung tight in a lot of games this year. Despite the record, they have had 13 of their 16 games decided by seven or fewer points. All right, 13 of 16. Now, two of the three that weren't were actually Raider wins. Kansas City is always being asked to do too much when it comes to covering the spread. Right, This is the seventh time this season they have been a favorite of nine or more points. 
And this year alone, they're six and ten against the number, and they're actually one and ten against the number against the AFC. So I like the Raiders to keep it close here in Vegas on Saturday. Take the Raiders plus the nine and a half. There you have it. Never thought I'd hear it, but you're taking the Raiders plus nine and a half. So I mentioned there the Brooklyn Nets. They have a big one coming up tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. That is a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. The Nets, of course, red hot through the month of December and now into January. Let's bring in ESPN NBA reporter Nick Friedel to help us talk about these Brooklyn Nets. And Nick, uh, quite a different team than we saw get bounced in that first round last season. (laughs) What would you credit, if I made you choose one thing, what would you credit with this turnaround this season for the Nets? Amber, this is quite a different team from like six weeks ago. (laughs) I mean, they are a completely different group, but I think there's three reasons uh, right now. First and foremost, Kevin Durant's playing like the MVP. He has just been awesome for them night after night. He is setting the tone that everybody else is following. After that, you go to Kyrie Irving, and there was so much focus after he came back off that suspension, what type of player would he be? And would he be able to fit right back in to the group? Because they did struggle earlier in the season. And he's been really, really good. And he, even more importantly, he hasn't provided a distraction off the floor uh, for the organization. So with those two things in mind, then you look to what Jacques Vaughn has done. And when he took over for Nash, there were a lot of people around the league going, eh, I don't know if this is going to work, especially since he wasn't the first choice. The Nets... We're supposed to hire Ime Yudoka. It didn't happen. Vaughn's the guy. And, guys, I've never seen a team that has limited what they do day-to-day like this group has under Vaughn. They barely practice at all. They don't really shoot around. They just show up and play. And to Vaughn's credit, he has gotten them to focus on the game instead of all the drama that surrounded this team over the past year and certainly over the last few months. So there are a lot of reasons why, but to me, it starts with Durant and the way he's been rolling, and then you get into the next couple after that. Nick, it's Joe. You know I love you. The pocket square game has looked fantastic as of late. Job well done on national television, my friend. I'm curious. It almost feels like it's just too quiet in Brooklyn. After years of it being nothing but stories about what's happening off the court, like what's gotten into Kyrie all season long, we're not hearing from him. After a full year of hearing from him seemingly every day, we no longer hear from him. What's going on? Joe, I think the biggest thing is when he came back off that suspension, somebody in his inner circle got through to him and said, hey, do you want that that next contract? Do you, do you want to stay at in the upper echelon of the league? Okay, well, uh, stop creating drama and headlines off the floor. And Kyrie has come back, and some of those press conferences, you, you, you wonder if you're even talking to the same guy from before. Because as we know, like Kyrie liked to, to offer his opinion on a variety of different topics long before the social media posts uh, that got him into some trouble with the league. So uh, that part is huge, Joe, but... I'd be lying to you if I told you that I didn't feel that everybody was kind of waiting for another shoe to drop. That's not just on Kyrie. That's everybody. This team has been just just soaked in drama constantly. And they've been so good that you just wonder, all right, what's going to happen? When's when's the other shoe going to drop? So 
it's a huge reason why they're winning now. It'll be a huge reason why they continue to win moving forward if they do. But uh, there certainly is a feeling of, okay, you're looking around and you're looking over your shoulder and you're going, what is going to happen next to derail the rhythm they've got? ESPN NBA, NBA reporter Nick Fridelli covers the Brooklyn Nets for us here at ESPN, joining us on Joe and Amber. So, Nick, uh, things are about to get real real, though. I mean, obviously this team has been on a streak here, but they face 22 potential playoff opponents in the next 24 games. They are 15-3 and versus uh, sub-500 teams, 10-10 and versus over-500 teams. What do you think that this stretch coming up here is going to mean for this team? Do you think that this has been a little bit of fool's gold based on scheduling? I do, Amber. I really do. Because when you look back over, let's take the last three, four weeks that they've gotten on this roll through the month of December, they've really only played three tough games. They lost to the Celtics at home. They beat Cleveland on the road. And they beat Milwaukee, although that was without Chris Middleton at Barclays Center. After that, they have cleaned up against bad teams. Now, to their credit, how many teams have we seen <laughs> that don't do that <laughs> and that fall apart uh, when they're playing some, some weaker opponents? Uh, so there is something to be said for taking care of business. But I feel when you look at the schedule, this moment in time over the next few weeks, especially after that West Coast swing, it's going to define their season. Because if you make it through this and you have that record, uh, pretty close to where it's at now and you get through that rough stretch in the schedule and you keep everybody healthy well then Kevin Durant has come through probably the toughest stretch that he's going to see this season and with with Kevin and Kyrie playing at the level they're at and you're still trying to weave Simmons into what you're doing on both ends of the floor this is a team that still feels like they have a long way to go before they hit their peak Nick Friedel, he covers the Brooklyn Nets for us. Thanks, Nick. Always, guys. So I mentioned, Joe, that they've got a big one tonight, 7.30 p.m. tip-off between the Nets and the New Orleans Pelicans. This game is in New Orleans. What do you have for us on this game? I'm guessing you've been talking about it, the daily wager circles. Yeah, we had our show earlier today. We love to cover the Nets. We never love to cover the Lakers. That's how you bring those ratings in. The Nets, interesting scenario. 12-game winning streak snapped the other night against Chicago. They open as a four-point favorite tonight in New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. That's gone up to four and a half, so it's been a little bit of Nets money. It's interesting. You see the loss against Chicago. I don't know what they were supposed to do. Chicago shot the lights out in that game. They were 53% from the floor. They were 40% from deep. Sometimes you just have to tip your hat to the opposition and say, you beat us. There's nothing we could do to stop a shooting streak like that. It's going to happen on occasion. So now how do they bounce back? Interesting opportunity tonight in New Orleans because, as we know, no Zion Williamson. Pelicans went out and won their first game without him, but that was against Houston. Everybody has a good game against Houston. This is going to be the Nets. And the one key factor to watch in tonight's game, New Orleans has been an exceptional defense this season. Fifth in defensive rating. Zion's a big part of that. Without him on the floor, that's going to suffer a hit. I'm interested to see if the Nets can hang a big number against the uh, Pelicans tonight. It feels like the Nets are getting lucky here again, right? Like this Pelicans team without Zion, they've had all these games against play-in tournament hopefuls or teams that are lacking somebody on their team that is critical. So they've had an unbelievable December as we head into January, 16-1 and leading into Wednesday's loss against the Chicago Bulls. But now I mentioned things get real real because they had a seven-game homestand in there in, in addition to 
playing those teams a, a lesser opponent, so to speak. So now the schedule gets much, much harder after the new year. The schedule makers decided it's 2023. Let's see if this Nets team is the real deal. And we are about to find out. We're also about to find out the real deal here on Joe and Amber as we transition back to the NFL. What on earth are the New York Jets doing? It's a timely conversation. I could, though, be asking that question, frankly, at any time. Like, kind of throughout history, certainly throughout the last 20 years, but it is actually topical today. This is Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can give me a follow as well, at Amber W Sports. So the New York Jets have decided this week in their matchup against the Miami Dolphins, which means nothing to the Jets because they lost to the Seahawks. They're out of playoff contention, but... Nevertheless, division opponent coming up, right? Maybe some pride to play for. Also, if they beat the Dolphins, they ruin the Dolphins' chances at the postseason. So maybe you want to do that because they're a division rival. Well, they've decided in order to do that, let's start Joe Flacco, which kind of makes no sense considering that they still have to activate Zach Wilson. Originally, Wilson was going to be deactivated for this game. It was going to be Mike White getting the start and Joe Flacco as the backup. That would have been one thing if you had Wilson completely deactivated for this game. But now Mike White is injured. Apparently, he aggravated that previous rib injury. Salah had said that he's in a lot of pain. And instead of going with Wilson, he has decided to go as with Flacco as the starter and Wilson as the backup, here is the head coach of the New York Jets, Robert Sala. I want Flacco over Zach. Um, again, for it's more, you know, give Joe this opportunity, but also with Zach, uh, I'm going to, you call it coach's decision. I want to stay firm with him and make sure that he gets to attack this offseason. And uh, I just want to get him to the offseason so we can start and attack the plan that we've been building. Um, putting him out there right now, I just don't, uh, it's not going to do him any good. It's not going to do anyone any good uh, for him, for Zach. It's all about 23. Joe Flacco was drafted 15 years ago. Joe, why does he need this opportunity? What are the New York Jets doing? That was the best part when he's like, when he's like trying to figure out what he wants to say. And he's like, we wanted to give Joe this opportunity. Like for, for what's the opportunity? He won a Super Bowl. Like the <laughs> yeah, biggest the opportunity. He gets to start a game for you. Yeah. Which, by the way, big opportunity, Joe. Anyways, but like, oh, great. Big opportunity here. Throw away game against the Dolphins 15, 16 years into your career. Cool. So it's obvious what they're doing with Wilson, and I'll get to that in a second. To address Joe Flacco, he is the victim of all victims in this situation. Joe Flacco, probably, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, one man's opinion, probably headed for retirement after the season. Just wanted to get through this hellish ride that is the Jet season go on vacation with his family and live his life. And because this team is so dysfunctional, has made so many mistakes and so many people have gotten hurt, he somehow finds himself shotgunned in behind this awful offensive line for a game in Miami against a team trying to go to the playoffs. Like the last thing Joe Flacco probably wants is to have to play in this game. He probably just wanted to ride off into sunset. So I feel bad for you, Joe Flacco. I do. Good luck this weekend. You're going to need it. As to Zach Wilson, I think the writing's on the wall. And it's very clear. Salah's talking about getting Wilson ready for 23. Yeah, with somebody else. They don't want to risk him getting hurt so that he's damaged goods and they are unable to trade him. Where did Robert Salah used to coach? San Francisco. 
What happened very recently in San Francisco? Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and the Niners weren't able to move him in the offseason. It was a big thing that caused an issue with Lance. Then Lance got hurt. Then Garoppolo started. So thankfully they did have him. Then Garoppolo got hurt. It never ends with the Garoppolo story. But the point is, I think the Jets are ready to move on from this kid. They probably want to try to find a way to get some trade value out of it. They do not want to risk him getting hurt. Just like the Raiders don't want to risk Derek Carr getting hurt because they don't want to be on the hook for the cash. I don't think there's going to be enough trade value for Zach Wilson at this point because of the way that the Jets handled Zach Wilson this season. It's one of the reasons I was so critical of the way that they were handling him because you gave nobody an opportunity across the NFL to have any semblance of confidence in this guy, even in terms of his potential. Because if you believed that there may be some potential there, then why were you benching him for Mike White and going back and forth and making the decisions that you were making? And so I think the message has been pretty clear across the league. Like, this dude ain't it and this dude doesn't have it and so who's trading what for that and also they know that the situation in New York now is very awkward with Zach Wilson I just don't think when we're considering a number two overall pick that the Jets traded up right to get then we're what are they going to get in return for Zach Wilson that is going to satisfy them in getting rid of that I don't think it's going to be an easy thing I'm not saying there wouldn't be any takers like there would be takers I'm just saying in terms of the price that people would be willing to pay because of what they've seen in how they have handled Zach Wilson I do think it's possible though that maybe this decision is in fact about a messy O-line and so even if you were committed to keeping Zach Wilson because you figure we're not going to be able to move him or maybe we can bring in a vet which I think would be the best case scenario they bring in a vet to start over him but then develop under the vet I feel like maybe that would be very helpful Zach Wilson's a very young quarterback when he came into the league you know he wasn't coming out of one of these huge SEC schools or something when NFL ready when he came in and so maybe he would benefit from learning behind you know a Jimmy Garoppolo type vet if they were to bring in somebody else to actually try to win next season but that O-line could mess up the whole thing if you want to protect your number two overall pick because they've got a really messy O-line situation already, you know, a bad line, but then Dwayne Brown left tackle out for this game. George Fant out for this game. Nate Herbig out for this game. They've got a lot of injuries on that line. So maybe that is some of it, like whether they want to trade them or keep them, maybe they feel like they should protect them. Sorry, Joe. Flacco, yeah, no, whatever. Joe Flacco, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, sorry, Flacco. You're Flacco, we're gonna, unfortunately. We're going to throw the old guy out in front of this line or behind this line because we're so scared of, of Wilson getting hurt. Unfortunately for Flacco at this point in his career, he's just a body bag. Like that's, and that's what happens to a lot of guys who either hang on too long or just don't have enough upside or value to a team. You're just a body bag. Like Nathan Peterman is starting for the Bears this weekend. Body bag. Like they're not going to put Justin Fields out there in that game against Minnesota. A lot right. of teams shouldn't be starting key players in matchups that don't matter because you need those guys preserved and healthy for the following season. I know a lot of people yell and scream, oh, you should be out there, you should be playing. You got to protect some of these guys from themselves. You don't need to risk injuries at this point in the year for nothing. Houston should not be playing anybody in this game because why would you be bad all year long and then go win this weekend and cost yourself the number one overall pick? Why would the Bears be bad all season long, then go win this weekend and cost themselves the number two pick, 
possibly the number one pick if Houston were to win, right? Like, the season's over. For so many of these teams, it is over. There's no sense in taking any unnecessary risks. For the Jets, maybe they want him back next year. I doubt it. I think this is about protecting the health so that they can get rid of him. They don't have to keep him from a salary perspective, a contract perspective. Maybe they trade him. I think they'll take just about anything to get him the hell off the roster so they can move on and try to figure out who the next quarterback is. Goodness, it's not that bad, though. If you're the Jets, like, I guess that's what I find so crazy is that we didn't see it long enough for it to feel like we should be at that point. And yet, if they had rocked with him for the whole season, then I feel like it would be reasonable that we're at that point. But because they benched him, because they had him in street clothes for multiple games, I don't know what to make of the Zach Wilson situation because I'm not really willing to sit here today. I mean, I'm certainly not willing to say he's going to be good, but I'm also not really willing to sit here today and be like, there's zero chance he's ever good in the league. I don't know. I mean, even Josh Allen didn't look good his first year in the league. We just didn't see it enough, I don't think, with Zach Wilson to really feel definitive that there is no chance, you know, that this is a Josh Rosen situation, that there is no chance that he is going to pan out no matter where he ends up. I mean, he was brought in because of largely what he can do in terms of how dynamic he can be, how he can move, and what he kind of brings in a physical sense to the position as well. He wasn't brought in because he was ready day one out of BYU to be an NFL quarterback. I mean, he was brought in because of the upside, and yet I don't feel like the Jets have done anything to develop him. Well, there's two problems for Wilson. If, if he had this take place in Jacksonville, it, it wouldn't be an issue. If he was in a smaller market or with a fan base that wasn't as rabid as New York, I think he'd be all right for another year. The problem is it's New York. All right, number one, they're going to expect some results, and they're going to expect them quickly. Number two, he has done himself no favors whatsoever. No favors. The story with, like, I mean, how do I say this gently from last summer? That was the, helpful. We all, hold on. That was helpful. Lady. We all know, like, for, okay, relax. She might have been my age. I have no idea. But, but here's the thing. Not trying to hit we, you with any shrapnel there. Just like trying to bring it up. his teammates all came out after that. We're like, that's my dude. Yeah, no, that's hilarious like when all, you're winning like, games. Like, that, that's respect like, for Zach. Here's, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Inappropriate. Here's, the, here's the difference. When Jimmy Garoppolo is winning a Thursday night game against the Cardinals and he says, feels great, baby, to Aaron Andrews, people can slice that however they want, but they're winning games. So That's the locker room different. finds it funny. When Zach Wilson's got stuff like that going on and he's not delivering and he's not able to make plays and he doesn't know the playbook and he stinks on the field, it's not funny anymore. Like, that's not funny. And then down the line, when you have a terrible game against New England, who of all the teams to play that poorly against, you cannot do that against New England. New England's won, what, 14 in a row against the Jets somewhere in there? This was the year Jets fans finally thought they could take down the Patriots. Everyone's been taking down the Patriots now. Buffalo, Miami, everyone finally... Finally has a chance to take down the Patriots who have owned them for two decades and the Jets thought it was their time and Wilson was so bad they couldn't even put 10 damn points on the board. We can criticize Wilson for being bad at times, right? Although, by the way, the win-loss record for stretches of the sea, I mean, that was the quarterback that was 5-2 and two when they decided to bench him and go for Mike White. How much of that was That's him? fine. That's fine. But Mike White wasn't winning after that. So there was, maybe you could argue there's some sort of X factor there. I understand that he wasn't good. I'm not about to argue that. I do think that some of this stuff's overstated, though. Like, you even mentioned the personal stuff that happened in Zach Wilson's life over the summer. Like, the whole reason we know about 
about that was because of his girlfriend, right, on social media or ex-girlfriend, presumably, based on the allegations. You that think? she It wasn't Zach Wilson coming out and bragging about it. You know, but now we attribute that behavior to Zach Wilson. Like, that man's just out here trying to live his life behind closed doors and people are outing him. And this is part of the problem is that I feel like the narrative around Zach Wilson has taken on a life of its own, where now it's so negative, where now we act like every like everyone in the locker room just hates this guy. And he said a one-word answer in a press conference, a one-syllable word, and it was like the most egregious thing ever. And, you know, and now it, it, the, the personal life stuff that happened with his girlfriend out at him and all this stuff, and it's like a lot of piling on. And I agree with you. It probably has something to do with the fact that he plays – in New York. So maybe a, a, things... a very, a very interesting hill for you to die on I... the Zach Wilson hill to just stand really, on that really hill. He... So defiantly, I really hope he goes somewhere and pans out. She, lo- she loves him. What I can we say? Him. She it's, loves Zach. Wilson. I, I, I just, good God. I mean, his last, we had the same last name kind of look like, Oh you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of look like each other. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Coming up next year on Joe and Amber. Uh, oh, by the way, We'll have to see if Joe Flacco can get in the zone against the Dolphins. Let's hope not in week 18. Uh, go Dolphins. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Okay, now it's time for me to try to transition on here. Joe and Amber is presented <laughs> by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, let's try this again. Would you rather have Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins in the playoffs? Things Ugh. that make you say, huh? Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, two quarterbacks that tend to be very controversial, no matter, frankly, how well their teams end up playing. Two quarterbacks that could make a run of things here in the playoffs, but do we trust either of them? And if I made you choose one in the playoffs, who would it be? We were going to get into that in just a moment. But first, Joe, let's help the people earn some pizza money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. More like crypto money. We're 0-5 in this stupid bit since we started it the first two days. I, I Let's see how many we can lose in a row. We this got one in play. Too. This was all your idea. I don't I, that's the worst part. It idea. was my that's idea right. to embarrass myself. <sighs> all right. We already put one out there earlier tonight. It's the Raiders on Saturday plus the 9.5 against the Chiefs. Pizza money number two will come to us on Sunday. It is the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers going under 40 total points. Believe it or not, Cleveland's defense turned a corner after that awful start to the season. Last six games, giving up just 14 points per game to go alongside a Deshaun Watson-led offense that has been brutal. With Watson under center for five starts, they're averaging just 16 points per game. Pittsburgh's defense is legit as they come when T.J. Watt is on the field. He is healthy. He's ready to go for this game. Steelers always seem to close strong under Mike Tomlin. I think this game is an absolute grind. Under 40 points between the Steelers and the Browns. Tune in to a football doubleheader Sunday as those same Steelers host those same Browns, followed by Rams at Seahawks. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. So let's get to it. This conversation about Dak Prescott versus Kirk Cousins. It can't be an easy question that I've thrown out to you, Joe, right? Because... It feels like there's no easy answer here when it comes to these two quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks. It's a horrible question. It's a horrible question. Two quarterbacks that I think people consider what, like bottom of the first tier, top of the second tier kind of quarterbacks, but neither that uh, that how instill a bunch of confidence when we're talking about hey, who's going to make the postseason run. So the problem I have with both is they share the same trait. And that trade is when it looks like things are about to get really intense. 
that's when both of them tend to really play poorly. I remember a moment when I was in the Bay Area, the Vikings were in town to take on the Niners the year the Niners went to the Super Bowl to play the Chiefs. And it's a day game. And Cousins takes the field and he looks to the sideline and it's the first play of the game for Minnesota on offense. And he's covering his ear holes with his hands because it's apparently so loud. First of all, I love you, Bay Area. Levi's doesn't get all that loud compared to all these other stadiums. And it was an afternoon game. It's not like it's a night game where everyone had been drinking all day. And Cousins was just like, oh, my God, the noise. Right there, you knew he was doomed. And he was, in fact, doomed. He played a horrible football game. For Prescott, it's the same thing. I mean, look at the situational awareness, Amber, last year against the Niners. How can you back Prescott when you know with the playoff game on the line, he takes off running, he slides, they run out of time. The quarterback has to be above that. He has to know how much time is left and what he can and can get away with in those situations. There's some McCarthy issues there, though, when we're talking about clock management Always. with the Cowboys team. So I think I'll point the finger there before I'll point the finger at Dak. I agree with you. Still an embarrassing moment from Dak. I would go Dak here over Kirk. And part of the reason for that is because of what you just mentioned. To me, Kirk Cousins is best known for collapsing if he has to play anytime after 4 p.m. Right. I mean, with cousins, <laughs> it is long documented that if it is prime time, it ain't his time. And he shrinks in those largest moments. You mentioned that they both have tended to do that. And they both certainly have their moments of doing that. But at least with Dak in this season, I have seen him fight through some adversity. Not only is he fought through the injuries when he comes back this season. So the numbers, when you pull the numbers, Kirk's had the better season. He's also played a lot more than Dak. But Remember that game against the Titans, right? Where Dak Prescott throws, how many times does he cough it up? Three times in the first half, was it? Off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was three times in the first half. He ends up getting it together in the second half. He comes back. He wins that game for them in the fourth quarter. I know that wasn't a huge matchup in terms of what foot the Tennessee Titans were putting forward, and I know that is a very injured Tennessee team. But the point is that it didn't seem to rattle Dak at all when he was coughing up the ball. Dak Prescott is a quarterback that makes those mistakes but he is also a quarterback that seems to be able to shake off those mistakes Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that it feels like collapses in those moments and can't get it together when he does lose he loses big this Minnesota Vikings team even though they've won all these one score they win close they lose big yeah 11 and 0 in one score games amazing I mean for the sake of the argument you probably end up going with Prescott because you end up getting the Dallas defense right like the Minnesota defense is not fit to win games in the playoffs That's just the reality of the situation. They've been terrible all year long. They're bottom five in points allowed and yards per play. They don't get a lot of stops. You look at Cousins, he's surrounded by quality talent. I mean, Justin Jefferson's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's got Dalvin Cook still, who's probably not, obviously, at his optimal where he was a few years ago. You've got Adam Thielen. It's a loaded offense with a head coach and Kevin O'Connell who knows offensive systems. He's an offensive mind. I think Prescott probably has... Probably a step down in terms of the talent around him and possibly the coaching around him. So for them to put up comparable numbers and results, given the fact that Prescott might be in a slightly inferior situation, he probably ends up getting the edge, in my opinion. I do think that that Dallas defense obviously is the better defense. That Dallas defense, though, I mean, there's some concerns there as we head into the playoffs. You know, they they have been a bit. I mean, that pass rush at t- times has disappeared for Dallas this season, which is Look, it, it's really Dallas. When, when, you when you're talking about like Dallas in the playoffs. Team. There's always concerns. Dallas in the playoffs, there's always concerns no matter what you you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that rush defense also has been problematic at times this season. There shouldn't be that many problems, though, on this Dallas team. If you look at this roster top to bottom, 
It is a stacked team. It should be a good team, right? I mean, if you look at it on paper, but you're right. There's something about Dallas. It's like Minnesota where they can rip off 12 wins and we're all still questioning them. And no one's really that shocked when they end up losing to the Packers, even though they have had a heck of a season. Not a ton of confidence in either of these guys, but we'll see if either of them can make a run. We're going to make a run here on Joe and Amber. Let's transition to the college football national championship next.